listening to Expand Your Horizons, the podcast for English language teachers and wanderlust indulgers. This is Lauren and Shannon, teacher training duo of TefelHorizons.com. Each week, we bring you teaching advice, travel tips, and inspiring stories from around the globe. Here's to making this big world a little smaller by connecting ESL teachers everywhere. Welcome to episode 32 of Expand Your Horizons of the Tefl Horizons podcast. This week, our guest is Andre Alipio. Andre has been the Director of Studies at GTP, Global Teaching Practice, for 10 years now, but he's been a teacher trainer since 1995, working for different institutes in Brazil, like International House Sao Paulo. As the Director of Studies, he's responsible for designing and delivering a range of courses for teachers of English, as well as training the tutors on those courses. Andre is an active CELTA and DELTA trainer, and he has trained on courses in Brazil, Mexico, Venezuela, and other countries. He's also a local trainer for ETS products like TOEFL Jr. More recently, Andre has been developing ELT materials and consulting to the educational market in general. Today, Andre is joining me to talk about something that's definitely relevant to anyone who works with young learners or has children who are currently learning at home. At the time of recording this, schools around the world are temporarily closed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. This means that those students are currently learning from home by attending their classes online. So in this episode, Andre is sharing practical strategies for how we, as teachers, can help train parents to support their children in online learning. Before we start, I do have a quick announcement. I am very pleased to tell you that we're continuing our weekly webinar series with a set of brand new workshops starting this week. So if you haven't heard about these already, they're free online webinars and we're doing a new one every Friday. In each one, you'll learn practical strategies related to a different aspect of online teaching. This week's webinar is Friday, May 8th at 1 p.m. Eastern time and I'll be hosting guest presenter Andrew Watson, who will be teaching us how to deal with mixed level classes online. We've had a really great time doing these so far. We have loved connecting with all of you who have attended, and we've been getting really great feedback, so please do join us if you can. You can register at tefelhorizons.com webinars. Even if you can't join live, I would encourage you to sign up at that link because I'll be sending out the recording afterwards to anybody who is signed up. So that way you'll be able to watch it later, even if you can't be with us in real time. All right, so now let's get back to the podcast where I'm joined by Andre Alipio. Hi, Andre. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here at the channel. All right. Well, our listeners will have just heard my introduction of you on this episode. Um, but to start, can you tell us just briefly a little bit more about yourself? So where are you based? What do you do? All that good stuff. Sure, sure. Yes. Uh, well, my name is Andrea Lepu. I'm the academic manager of Global Teaching Practice, which is a teacher training company based in Brazil. So I, I do most of my work in Brazil, but we also work with different countries. Uh, we offer courses for teachers in general, teachers of English in, in general. They are, uh, these are language courses or teaching-oriented courses. They can be face-to-face -face online. And what I basically do is I train up tutors to deliver the courses. We design the materials. We prepare the platforms when it's uh, an online mode. And, then we, and that's what we do at GDP or Global Teaching Practice. We also, uh, what I do also is uh, I travel a lot with CELTA courses and DELTA courses. So mm -hmm. this is basically <laughs> what I do around here. 
Great. So a lot of teacher training and it sounds like a lot of online training as well. There is a lot of online training as I think that specifically for the last three or four years, lots of teachers have decided to move to uh, online platforms instead because they haven't been able to commit to going to one place and uh, having sessions at a certain day and on a certain day and time, which means that uh, they had, it's much more flexible for them to sit behind a computer and to uh, observe uh, and watch the, uh, the sessions from uh, the platform itself. So it's, it's uh, much easier for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially now, <laughs> teaching and, and training online <laughs> yeah. is becoming necessary, not just useful. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That, that's a, even courses that used to require TP, I mean, face-to-face TP or teaching practice, uh, experience now they are 100% online exactly exactly because of this mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yep all right well I'm happy to have you uh, on the show for this particular conversation because I've said on the podcast before uh, that teaching young learners has never really been my thing so it's something that I personally <laughs> could use some advice about also um, and I know you know we've talked on the podcast already about the differences between teaching young learners and teaching adults and then particularly online But obviously something that's happening with this whole pandemic situation is that kids are at home and parents are maybe at home and maybe much more involved in their child's educational experience than they were before. Um, So tell us a little bit about that. Um, What are some ways that, that we can deal with that, that parents are really sort of at home with their kids and involved in their learning in a different way now? Uh, all right, yes, this, this has been something very, very new. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I have all the answers. I don't think that anybody does, in fact, because uh, we, we have been trying to deal with the uh, problems that appear on a case-by-case case, uh, 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 basis and, uh, and based on the fact that most of the, the teachers are facing this for the first time or they have just started teaching uh, this type of lesson online or transferred all the materials to the online, an online platform, they are still learning and we are learning with them. Uh, but I think that this, there is one, one aspect of all of this, which is parent involvement in all of this uh, teaching, which is very new. Because what, what happens now is, this, this is a, historically speaking, this is a little bit tense. This is a relationship that has been tense for a while, the fact that Parents expect, uh, they have lots of uh, unreal expectations from schools and teachers, and uh, especially because not necessarily do they know what goes on in the classroom with all the approaches that are chosen by the school and the materials that are designed to respond to that specific approach. Mm-hmm. So uh, this, this relationship has been tense, uh, and, and I think that although there is, uh, there is, chances are that it could grow even tenser right now. There is also a very good opportunity for parents to become part of the, the, the teaching and for them to understand more of what is happening in the classroom, what happens in the classroom in a, in a regular lesson when students go to school. Uh, and, and I think that the most important thing right now, Shannon, is to understand that this, there must be a learning community. Mm-hmm. So this creation of a learning community goes far beyond the limits of the classroom. It should have been so always, but right. the fact is, right now, it's it's uh, it's maybe it's 
the opportunity for all the parts to play the roles. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Yeah. And it's, it's an interesting thought that it's always, that always would be helpful, you know, for this to be more of a learning community where the families are more involved in sort of creating this conducive environment to learning at home as well. Um, but now there's no other choice, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So uh, what are some ways that specifically would you say that teachers of young learners can keep the parents more involved or maybe help the parents create this kind of learning community that you mentioned? Sure, yes. Uh, as I said before, there isn't one specific answer to that. And mm-hmm. uh, lots of trainers, I suppose, have been facing this kind of situation and uh, they're trying to guide their teachers the best way they can. Uh, and we are all, all learning together with that. But I can, I can mention one or two things that can be or should be part of this process so that Great. all of these people work together as a team, not only the school managers, but also the teachers, the parents, and they try to help each other in the process. Um, I think that basically, uh, if, if you understand, if you think about learning community as uh, operating together this way, uh, the first thing uh, that there must be is uh, uh, we, we, teachers must understand that parents need to get more informed about what goes on in the classroom, but that cannot be technical. So we are not going to tell or teach parents about approaches and those beautiful names that we use when mm-hmm. we give training courses. However, they should know some of the things that they are supposed or not supposed to do when they are guiding the learning of their children as if they were playing the role of the teacher. Uh, and uh, the, the, we start with the basic understanding of the core syllabus, I suppose, so that parents have a better idea of what a syllabus is. Uh, I, this is not clear for parents as a whole, so they know that the course starts at a certain date and then it goes in, up to a certain date, but not necessarily do, do, do they understand that there is a lot involved in terms of the contents of the course. So I think that the first thing is to make sure that parents understand the contents of the course, what should have been covered by a certain point in time in the future. Uh, As soon as they get to know that, it becomes easier or a little bit easier for them uh, to, to understand that things should click together and they should connect along the course, that it's not only a set of separate units working together, given the materials that students are using. And Mm -hmm. this makes a certain difference. Um, I think that the materials themselves are important for parents to to know better. So um, one thing that school and teachers can do is to help parents understand what is the specific objective of certain parts of the materials used. Because what they would be doing at home is, I mean, in in some schools, uh, some schools have used uh, an online platform in which the teacher really teaches online and the student follows, but then the, the, par- the, the parent, the, the mother, the father must be there with the kid. And this is more for orientation. But for another, there are other cases in which the contents are uploaded to the platform and the, 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 the parent uh, has to take care of this, this content and mediate learning. And that's when the materials must be a little bit more uh, let's say uh, it must be clear to, to the parents so that they understand exactly the objective of what they are doing 
on a daily basis? What is the objective of this day? Even if you have to think of objectives as something a little bit more general, not the type mm -hmm. of objectives that we have for lesson plans, for instance, which are a little bit more technical, right? right. But uh, general ones that parents can cope with. This is the second thing that can help. Um, I think that one more thing that can, uh, that must really take place is a constant communication channel must be mm -hmm. open with the school and teacher. Parents should be able to ask questions. Uh, they, they are doing something they haven't been trained for. Uh, and it's very natural that they run into brick walls at times. And what they need is to get somebody who tells them where to go, how to proceed. Of course, they, I'm not telling uh, teachers that they should train parents systematically. Mm -hmm. But the school must be available to help parents in certain situations uh, in terms of uh, home learning. So this is, this is really important. Those are really great practical suggestions. And so just to summarize, it sounds like, you know, obviously it's not possible and it's too big of an undertaking to think that we can completely train parents to be teachers, you know, all of a sudden given this whole situation. But what you're saying is, you know, even just something as sort of general as having a more open chain of communication can be really helpful mm -hmm. and having sort of more visibility in terms of the course progression and syllabus, as you've said, and the actual materials that the students are accessing, there should be a way for the parents to access those as well. And the parents should be encouraged to access those. That's it. Perfect. Excellent. Okay. That's very helpful. Um, and I like that you've mentioned as well that, you know, it's, we don't necessarily need to be so technical because that could be overwhelming for the parents. Again, we're not going to be able to teach them this whole new jargon that we use as yeah, exactly. teachers on our lesson plans. <laughs> but if we can sort of simplify our language to give them more general learning objectives in terms of what their students are going to be able to do after certain lessons, I think that's a really helpful idea. Mm -hmm. Um, the great thing and, is, and, and no, sorry, go on. Oh, no, I was just going to say the great thing is this sounds like something we could do, you know, even to be optimistic after all of this is over and we're back in physical classrooms again, we could apply these strategies. I also. hope you will. Really, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, but sorry, you were about to say something. No, no, what I was saying is that, is that it, all, all of this starts really small. I mean, nobody, nobody's going to go big, really. I mean, not in the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if, if I can give you an idea of something that makes a great difference, for example, for parents, is, uh, and, and, and it's one of the things that as long as they get to know better, they start playing on the team of the teachers, they start making part of the uh, solution itself, is to understand the difference, for example, uh, between the school and the house. Mm -hmm. So one thing that we learned uh, these past two months here, and this has helped a lot, is to help uh, parents understand that uh, although kids are at home at this point in time, whenever they are, they are dealing with home learning, whenever they are uh, helping teachers, when teachers are teaching online, or whenever they are uh, helping students with the contents of the course, uh, their house or their home is not home anymore. It should be school. Mm -hmm. And this, uh, this has a great impact on parents because we, we have been helping them understand the following. Uh, whenever there is a room in the house, that should, be, should, should uh, become the classroom itself. And the rules change. So uh, it's very common for, uh, for children to understand that they have a kind of behavior and they may have the sort of behavior when they are home, like maybe 
playing around and shouting and uh, having their, uh, just as a silly example, their feet on the chairs and things of the kind. But whenever there is teaching involved, the social rules uh, of this place should change as they change when they are at school. And, and this has given parents a uh, very nice idea of how to help children that change their behavior when they are having classes. It's very common or uh, children will tend to uh, understand that if their parents are teaching or helping them with the content, they do not need to be so attentive or they do not need to play the student or they, not, they do not need to be so respectful in terms of the time in terms of uh, the paths that they have to do. And uh, with some simple changes, parents can help change the behavior that their kids show. I'll, I'll give an example. Uh, whenever it's, it's a school time and they go to this part of the house, maybe a living room or maybe a, a one specific room where they have lessons, uh, parents should have the sign on the wall, which is school time, so that they show students that at, at as from this moment here and up until, let's say, two or three hours from here, we are going to be uh, behaving as, we, as you would if you were at school. And this is not even uh, very difficult for people who, who live in very small houses. We've been doing that even with the uh, state schools uh, in, around this area where I work, uh, with people who live in very small places, but they can use a sign to make sure that they, their children understand that right now things have changed. So they should understand that they are not at home anymore, although they are. Uh, uh, it, it should, uh, the, uh, the kind of response you got from this, Shannon, was uh, very strong in the sense that it has helped children change their behavior and act differently towards learning at home. Uh, mm -hmm. And this is a very silly thing. It's, it starts small. It does not require much in terms of training. And it's something that has been helping a lot. I really love this idea. This is a little bit of a tangent, but it's making me think of, so when I was a child, I have um, several cousins that I'm very close to on, on one side of my family. And we would often all gather for family dinners. And my grandmother is, uh, she was uh, very big on table manners. She was a little bit old fashioned and she really liked to have a very nice dinner. She didn't like a lot of, you know, loud screaming and sort of the normal you know, children chaos <laughs> that often happens in family <laughs> gatherings. So she had this system yeah, where when we, before we would sit down to the family dinner, she would light a candle on the table and she would say, this is the manners candle. So when this candle is lit, it means that everybody has to behave in a certain way and use proper Amazing. manners and be quiet and, you know, respectful. And, um, and it worked. It was such a small thing, but it, when she would light the candle, we would know, okay, it's time to behave in this way. And then after the dinner was over and it was time to, you know, go back to other ways of behaving, she would blow out the candle and okay, now we can, you know, run around again and play and be loud and um, do all the things. But it, it just reminds me of that, that it's this very small symbol um, that if you treat it as kind of a ritual uh, or a signal, it can make a big difference. And I, I love the idea of bringing that into <laughs> the home to kind of, you know, like you said, putting up a sign on the wall just to That's signal it. to yeah. kids, okay, this is now, we're in a different mindset now. Um, yeah, That's so it. easy and to work, implement. And it works a lot. I mean, uh, children respond fast to that. It's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. 
I think as long as you have a very set signal and you're very consistent with it, uh, it can work really well. Yep, yep, that's it. Great. Um, and I think that's really helpful since, you know, now everybody's finding themselves in this situation where you, you can't change your physical space. So you have to change something else. You have to change the way you think about the physical space at different times. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, all right. That's fantastic. So any advice that you can give for parents who, let's say, are a little bit reluctant for whatever reason, you know, maybe they're also still working full time, but at home or they're busy or they're just a little bit reluctant to be more involved in their child's learning. Any advice you could give teachers for dealing with parents like that? All right, yes, uh, some in fact. I, I think that the most important thing is to understand that parents can do it. Mm -hmm. I think that for some reason, uh, I have been talking to teachers who for some reason uh, understand that even if they train parents, they are going to be reluctant, they're not going to do it, they are not going to be prepared to do it, their children are not going to respond. What I can, what I can tell them, uh, uh, based on my experience here, is that they will and they okay. can do it as mm -hmm. long as they, they receive the right kind of information, as long as they understand they are being invited to be part of a team and not to be responsible for 100% of their, their uh, uh, child's learning because this is not going to happen. They are not going to be able to do that. But as long as they understand, Shannon, that they are one small part of the team and that this this is going to be aided and helped uh, and supported by the school members. They, they, they believe, they, uh, they, they tr really try hard and they, uh, we have good results from this. Of course, that this, uh, they must understand, and I think that this is where some schools or teachers have failed somehow, is to help them understand that they're going to, in a way, give, give children, uh, help children with the content of the course they're going to mediate learning but they're not going to teach effectively so they uh, they need to be given some uh, uh, techniques even before they get to know more about uh, approaches and ways to, to that can possibly teach they could be uh, given some small uh, bits to work with mm -hmm. I'm going to give an example uh, it's it's one of the things that happen a lot is that Parents understand that their children, due to the uh, very nature of the relationship that they have with children, uh, they uh, sometimes speak too much. I mean, children, they think that their children speak too much or they speak too loud, and they end up sort of uh, um, not listening to children. And this, uh, this, when you think about critical thinking and the, uh, the fact that part of the learning at this age, especially, I would say six to nine or six to ten, uh, is to also help these children start thinking critically. The first thing that, that helps in terms of uh, parenting and teaching at the same time is the listen first policy. So I think that this is a silly thing. Uh, uh, what I mean by silly is it's easy to uh, share with parents, but it's uh, of great importance for parents to understand that whenever it's learning time, whenever they are, they are mediating, the uh, the contents they are trying to help students with the contents uh, their their kids with the contents of the school they should listen first so uh, uh, listening to kids uh, as long as kids understand that this is a learning time that they are at school right now with everything that we have mentioned before the fact that they are being heard that kids feel they have a voice helps a lot 
because they understand that their parents' behavior has also changed for that specific moment of the day. And I think this is, a, this is an easy thing to, to give parents. This is a nice tool that parents can have, given by teachers, helping parents understand that during this learning process, they will need to listen a lot to their children first so that they can collect uh, emergent ideas and they can integrate those in the materials and practices they are, they are having uh, during the learning process. Um, and and this, is, this is typically something that we got some response from parents saying that they helped a lot because uh, on a regular basis what happens is uh, they tend to speak more than their kids or they tend to ask kids to be quiet for a while because they're speaking too much. And during the learning process, they should be able and, and careful not to do that. They should, they should try to listen first to understand where the issues are so that they can try to act and respond to those issues with the help of the teachers and the school and materials and so forth, so on and so forth. So the idea here is, uh, and for teachers, what I can tell them is parents can respond as long as we understand what the, their needs are, we give them manageable bits to deal with in terms of techniques to use in, the, in their houses, and we help them see the difference between learning at school and learning at home. Mm -hmm. That's so helpful and really interesting. And uh, so I'm not a parent, full disclosure, so I don't really, I'm not speaking from experience, <laughs> but I imagine, like you said, for most parents, it's not that they don't want to listen to their children. It's just that you need to get things done, you know? So I'm sure it's easy to be in this mode of, okay, it's time for dinner now. Go wash your hands. Go do this. Nope, it's not time to, you know, do this and this. We have to do this now. And, exactly. you know, there just isn't the same time built into the day to, like you said, ask questions and encourage critical thinking and really listen and see what's going on in the, the child's head. Um, mm -hmm. So just being more intentional about that, something as simple as asking follow-up questions. Okay, why do you think that? Oh, that's interesting. What Perfect. do you think about this? Um, that's really great to kind of switch the focus of that particular time. And then exactly, and even, even in the setup of the classroom itself, if it would never have the sign, for example, is like to put it up the wall and say, okay, what, a silly question would be, as, uh, I, uh, I, I can talk to the kid and say, okay, why do I have the sign right here? And uh, what does it mean if I put it on the wall? Mm. And, uh, and you start and always talk to them and listen to their answers in a way that you try to make them think critically about the things which are happening, even in the organization of the room, organization of their learning, the content, everything else. That's great. And we talk about that a lot, you know, for anybody who's listened to the podcast a lot or who's followed a lot of our content or taken a CELTA, you know that we talk so much about eliciting rather than explaining. So always oh, rephrasing yeah. everything for our learners, adult learners, even as a question, um, you know, why do you think we're doing this? Okay. What are we doing this for? Rather than just saying, okay, now we're doing this because X, Y, Z. So just bringing that same technique to working with children um, instead of telling them things, simply rephrasing whatever you're going to tell them as a question, ask them why you're doing it. Is that's fantastic. That's it. That's it. And awesome. and, and if they do that well, they're going to sort of create a different persona, a teaching mm -hmm. persona. In fact, 
there was there was once i mean one week ago we got we got feedback from one of the students who told the parents who then told the teacher the fact that uh he prefers to talk to his mom when she's teaching <laughs> and when she's playing with her and and that was very nice indeed because it it showed us that this parent specifically was able to create this persona and adopt mm-hmm. that during classes and that's amazing that's excellent so helpful Okay, so what about, um, I, hopefully I'm not putting you on the spot with this, but what about on the other end of the extreme where you have parents who are maybe a bit too involved um, with their child's learning? Any advice for teachers for working with parents who might be a little bit overbearing or maybe they have in mind a certain way that they think things should be done now that's different from the way the teacher wants to do things? Yeah, sure. Uh, this is not exactly the, most of the cases that we have been facing. Most of the cases have to do with, with parents who need more help and who are always asking for help. Okay, there are that's obviously those. No, but, but, that's, but that's important because mm-hmm. um, it's, it's not very nice to have this parent who wants to overdo things and who, wants to, uh, who, who might just uh, be overbearing, really. So the idea here is, to, is for teachers to help them see that. And this is something that can also be done relatively easily if the teachers uh, have this open channel of communication with parents to help them understand that there is a certain purpose in everything we do in class. And I think that the word purpose together with critical thinking and listen first are uh, maybe the three most important and maybe the three first concepts that uh, parents should be uh, uh, taught or trained for in the beginning of this this kind of uh, learning process or home learning. Uh, purpose here means uh, there, students uh, should be given the chance to also be, for example, in silence at times. So silence has a purpose in class. The, uh, another example I can give you is there, is, uh, there are parents who believe that if the students are not uh, doing a certain kind of routine like learning or reading or, or writing or doing something associated with learning, they should be playing. Uh, and because uh, it, it's, it's a very common sense among parents that students go to school to learn and play. But sometimes they, they fail to understand that even in play, there is a purpose. And sometimes this purpose is connected to the very subject matter being taught at the moment. Uh, of course, that we have been talking more to teachers of English, right? Uh, which means that there, there's a lot of learning the, uh, in the games uh, that they offer in class. What happens is there are parents who, at home, they try to, uh, whenever, whenever not teaching or whenever they are supposedly uh, in school time, but they are not teaching any specific subject, they should be doing some kind of activity with students. Mm-hmm. I think that it's important for them to understand that there is purpose. In silence, depending on the type of activity which is being done, there is purpose in playing. So playing cannot be playing for the fun. That's the kind of play that we do as parents. Go to the park, ride a bike, or have fun with kids. Whenever there is something uh, which is related to the classwork, even if it's at home, even if it's at home and it's related to games, for instance, what is the fundamentally, what is the purpose of that game or that moment of fun with kids? And I think that whenever they see that in everything they do, there is some kind of uh, learning purpose. 
they understand they cannot do much more than they should because kids, and this is another concept, concept parents should be taught fast, kids can just cope with a certain amount uh, every day. So they cannot go for more. Otherwise, you're going to put, they're going to just uh, stop paying attention or you're going to lose them halfway to the end of the lesson. Uh, and, and, as, as, and once they understand that there is just so much that a kid could cope with, then they also understand that they have to hold themselves a little bit more. Uh, and this has an impact even on the relationship that parents have with teachers because what, what happens sometimes is that parents receive the contents or they understand what they have to teach on that specific day and then they, they call the school or call the teacher and say, but this is too little. We need more. Mm-hmm. So, okay, look, <laughs> <laughs> right. let's, let's understand the purpose of each of the materials that, have a, that you have in your hands and uh, how, how much attention should be dedicated to each of them. And then they start understanding that it's not just, you know, they're not just going to wash their kids with lots of materials without one specific purpose. So uh, I think this, is, this may happen. It's not exactly what happens the most in my reality here. But it's, it, I think that it's important for parents to understand the purpose of each part of the lesson and even the purpose of taking a bit longer in certain steps of the, the class and uh, listening more, respecting student silence. This is part of the game. Absolutely. So perhaps then we talked about earlier not giving parents too much information, you know, not overloading them with sort of the methodology yeah. behind everything that we're doing. Um, sort of as a general rule, but maybe with those parents who might want to be a little bit too involved, instead of giving them more stuff to do, because as you've just said, that's not the answer. Instead, for those parents, perhaps teachers can give them a little bit more of the why behind the methodology and sort of satisfy them that way um, versus the ordinary parent maybe doesn't need that or doesn't want that. Um, For the parents who want to be overly involved instead of giving them more stuff that's maybe a way yeah to kind of appease them giving them a little bit more of the the reasoning <laughs> yeah. behind what the teacher is doing and then that makes them feel more involved without actually overloading the student perfect that's it that is exactly what should happen in fact excellent all right well we're starting to wrap up now this has been incredibly okay. helpful um, is there anything else you want to add on this topic before we we kind of sign off Yes, I think that there's a final message here, which is uh, all of this learning that is taking place right now, especially uh, in terms of parents doing their share at home and being better informed about learning and teaching. I think this this has come to stay, really. I don't think that at the end of this period, which is difficult and everybody has been really having a, a hard time dealing with all of this, I think this is going to teach us a lot. And I think that once, one of the things that will, will uh, really be different in the future is the fact that parents are going to understand their role uh, in teaching much better than they do now. And they're going mm-hmm. to be a, a much more effective tool for teachers to use in the, the teaching of their kids. That makes a lot of sense. I keep seeing all these memes online about you know, now that students are stuck at home and the parents are stuck with them, <laughs> all these memes about <laughs> teachers should be making 10 times their salaries and things like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it, that sort of speaks to what you're saying is that this, 
you know, this is showing parents in a new way, um, sort of the behind the scenes of their child's education in a way that they didn't really get to see before. And yes, obviously that affects what's happening right now, but I agree that that's going to have lasting effects on how parents might think about their child's education and what's happening in their child's learning experience into the future exactly. after this. Yeah. 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 That's it. Hopefully to the benefit of the learner, which is really great. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Andre. This was very helpful. I hope the listeners got as much out of this conversation as I did because I took a lot thank from you. it. Um, and I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for all the insight that you've given us. It was a pleasure indeed. All right. I hope we'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening. Your support means so much to us. Feel free to leave a comment below if you enjoyed this and let us know what you want to hear about in upcoming episodes. If you know other teachers and travelers, we'd love for you to share this podcast with them too. And tune in this coming Tuesday for our next episode. Until then, you can find us at teflhorizons.com. Let's keep making this big world smaller by expanding horizons.